What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Recorded live. study on Top Shoe. Appreciate you folks being there in the chat room as usual. I appreciate the faithful listeners as well and the downloaders as usual. How you doing, Brother David? I'm doing good, Pastor, and ready for a hot battle tonight. <laughs> Amen, Brother. Amen. It's always, it's always a little war going on whenever you open the Word of God because it's loaded. It's loaded. Amen. It's a sword. It's not a noodle, it's not a parchment, it's not some off-the-wall something, it's a sword, and it carries the sword of the Spirit, and it can do damage big time, very much so. Anyway, uh, tonight, folks, we're going to be in the book of Job, and we're going to start where we left off in chapter 17. And we're going to go through a couple of chapters. We're going to start speeding up now. And I've I've been saying that for the last few programs, but definitely we're going to start speeding up um, because what we've heard so far is three people, three of Job's friends, coming at Job with a bunch of truth, but not truth for the present distress. And we've heard Job come back with some of his own truth, but only outwardly, not inwardly. We've seen Job start showing his hand about what he considers righteousness. And um, and as we go a little bit further, he's really going to show his hand. And we will, like I said, we're going to speed up just a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to stop Brother David as much. And after we get through so a couple of chapters here in Job, what we're going to do is we're going to take a little journey back to remind us of some of the New Covenant promises. Because we're dealing with this period of why do the righteous suffer? And why do the wicked prosper? 
which is a theme not, not only for the oldest book in the Word of God, but it's a theme that goes right on in under the New Covenant and plays a major part under the New Covenant. Contrary to what mainstream Judeo-Christianity says, absolutely, totally against what 98, 99% of quote-unquote Christianity teaches today because they jumped on board that old ship called the world and floated right along with her. It's what they've done. They left their roots. They left it back in around 200 A.D., except for a very few. And that remnant has came down through all the age, through the years, and God has preserved his word. He's preserved the truths taught in his word right up until the present. But no matter what those truths are, the first requirement is believing what God said. You don't believe what he said, you'll wind up walking up the gangplank on that ship of the world, floating right along with it. Sailing off to the edge. I'll give that, I'll give that, I'll use that illustration. I've used so many different illustrations warning about this, okay? Warning about the things of this world. There's, it's not just outward stuff, folks. The, it's, it, the adversary works from a subtle point of view, from a subtle, very subtle, with half truths, okay? Stuff that sounds real spiritual sometimes. And it is spiritual, but it's wrong. As a, he appears as an angel of light. See? Angel, light, two good things, but the inside is wickedness. So you have to keep that in mind. Always. Always. Anyway, Brother David, if you would open us in a word of prayer, Brother. Certainly. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you tonight with thanksgiving, with a heart of gratitude for your word that you sent your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect one, the preeminent one, to die for us. And we're eternally grateful. And we thank you that tonight this Word of God made manifest can, by His Spirit, teach us again in the book of Job. And I pray that tonight the Holy Spirit would have His way and magnify the Lord Jesus Christ in the manner He desires through Pastor Don and through the Word of God and Tonight, I pray, Father, for our kin around the world who are being invaded, Lord, that you would yes, separate Lord. them from these invaders. Yes, and I pray that these immigrant invaders, everything they put their hand to will just not prosper, Lord. I, I pray that when their children go to school, they fail. I, I pray that they lose their cars and their homes and that they're filled with a longing and desire for their own homelands and desire to return because nothing works out to them, for them in these white Western Israelite countries, Father. Amen. And I pray that you bring about the collapse of the dollar and that you bring upon our nations a collapse of of the, the economic structure so that your people can cry out to you, that yes, in, in the, their suffering that they would cry out and be saved and filled with the Spirit and become the people of God that you desire for them to be. And I pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. So be it. Amen. Amen. 
You see, folks, how contrary that prayer is to the world. I'm talking about to the Christian world. That's the, that's the absolute truth. That prayer was absolutely true. All right? And it's contrary to the flesh. And it's contrary to the kids. And it's contrary to the wife. And it's contrary to feel good. But it's not contrary to the Word of God and true biblical history. That's how far. That's how far we've gotten away from the truth of the Word of God. When we start believing the world's way over God's way. But anyway, Job chapter 17, brother, go ahead okay. and begin. Verse 1, my breath is corrupt, my days are extinct, the graves are ready for me, are they not mockers with me, and doth not mine eyes continue in their provocation? Okay, Job is, Job. this is Job speaking now, he's done, Eliphaz has done come back with his second rebuke. And Job is speaking here, and, he, and part of it's a prayer. But he, he, Job is on the ash heap with whatever disease he's got and everything taken away. See, that's why, that's why I told you guys in just a little while, we're going to do a little refresher on the promises because this, 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 this what's taking place right here is what happens in our life on a smaller scale individually. The ash heap that we're on, that we some of the ash heaps that we have to sit on with our disease and with our so called friends. See, this all is applicable to you and your personal life. Not only to you and your personal life, but it will be applicable to our National Brethren. It's called the time of Jacob's trouble. And Brother David, before the program started, made a suggestion that we do a series or a uh, or one program on the time of Jacob's trouble, of which I thoroughly agree, and we will. Very soon. As a matter of fact, we may do it starting Monday night. I don't know. We'll have to see where the Spirit leads. But having said that, this book of Job, I've told you guys, it, I, I've thrown the um, gauntlet down about these 42 chapters and about the 42 months, the time of Jacob's trouble, having to do with the book of Revelation. This is the first book. Revelation's the last book. Okay. You can break these threes down, the three friends, the one sitting over to the side that doesn't show up to the end, God the Father, the trouble. Job sitting on the ash heap in the worst pain a man can be and having lost everything is a type. I said a type of the time of Jacob's trouble. Job and Jacob both start with a J. Wonder if that's by chance. See, nothing's by chance. Nothing, nothing, nothing that happens to a Christian is by chance, folks. And nothing that happens in God's Word is by chance. 
just the Spirit giving us revelation of what the Father has already laid out in His Word. See, that's the thing. He reveals so much, then a little bit more, then a little bit more, and a little bit more. It's a never-ending book. It's an eternal book. It's the eternal words of the living God. And when everything else is gone, these words will still remain. We have those promises over and over again. Anyway, Job is in all this all this pain. He's making all the, his breath is bad. Yeah, even down to his breath, he realizes that. And he's coming back with all these this this wonderful prose, this poetry, like all of them, every one of them. It, this, the way this book is written is so eloquent. And I have to, like I told you guys, I have to watch myself or I'll get caught up in watching the wordsmith that goes on here because of that. But I don't think there's too much problem out there of this happening with everybody. So pay attention to what the words that said and try to visualize this. Let, let me let me stop just a second and let me tell you something. Let me, let me see if I can get you to um, do this. A lot of times it's hard, and it sometimes it's hard for myself realizing and being able to internalize the actual impact what the Spirit's trying to get across to you individually, see? Because we have a bad habit. We, when I say we, I'm talking about the Anglo-Saxon, Scandinavian, Celtic, Germanic. I'm talking about God's people, okay? I'm talking about the Anglo-Israelites of this world. Instead of internalizing, a lot of times we have a bad habit of looking outward and trying to throw it off on the others, see? But what I want, and you, you, a lot of times you wonder, all oh, this pain and trouble, well, it's not happening. Why would God do that to individuals? What about everybody else, see? It's hard for you to, to, to really grasp in your mind sometimes that this is happening to me. This is to me, for me. All those seven billion people on the earth, well, break it on down to not seven billion, but us as a people. We're only 7%. And probably less than that. That was the last census I took. I don't know if Brother David's got an update on it. The last I, I got heard, I can, I can tell you um, the white women of the world that are of childbearing age are only two percent. Well, there you go. And folks, it's just going to get lower and lower and lower. How do you say that, Brother Don? Because as it was in the days of Noah. Do you know how many got on that boat? See, you, are you starting to understand now if you go off on these flings of this wild, crazy junk, you know, localized, all this tearing the Word of God up, localized flood, wouldn't a worldwide, you, you, you lose everything. That's what happens when you mess with the book. You lose the connections. You lose what the, you, you lose the import 
of what God's trying to get across to you. Hey, it's you that's going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, if so be the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. It's you that's going to give an account to God, not your wife, children, uncle, aunt, mother, daddy, or brethren. It's going to be you that's going to give an account for the things done in the flesh, done in the body. Nobody else. So get your prayer life in order. Be able to centralize this stuff to be able to apply it in your life to help you. That's what it's for. Don't just think, well, that all my brothers out there. Uh, yeah, all your brothers out there, but the, the import should be to you before you can even help all your brothers out there. Because the majority of them whacked out anyway. They, they got on that ship of the world a long time ago. And so did some of us, but the Lord in His mercy chose His elect and pulled us off that boat. Amen. See, it's the Father's doing, not yours. Amen. And we'll get into a little bit more of that in just a few minutes. Go ahead, Brother David. Let's continue on with Job's discourse here. Just a quick little thought that was dropped into me here. You know how you were saying, you know, how Job is chastised, correct? That's right. Okay, and then we have Jacob's trouble. And so Jacob... And you take the AC out, and you got J-O-B, Job's trouble. But if you have the AC, you have Jacob was also chastised. That's correct. So we're also going to be chastised just like Job was during the time of Jacob's trouble. Amen, brother. That rod of God is going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Amen. And in Isaiah, it, ta- it tells the elect to go into your bedchamber, you know, till the, till the time of this wrath is by past. The elect are not going to catch it like the straying Israelites out there are in the rest of the world. There will be protection for individuals. You better get this individual stuff down if you want protection from what's coming. better get it down spend a little bit more time with it than you do your dollar bill and you're running your mouth for no reason with your foolish talking in a multitude of words there what hath not sinned and a fool is known by a multitude of words that's why all us preachers God says it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to say them that believe. That's God's chosen fools, his preachers. <laughs> because we're known by a multitude of words. Hmm. Anyway, go ahead, Brother David, continue on. Verse 3. Lay down now, put me in surety with thee. Who is he that will strike hands with me? For thou hast hid their heart from understanding. Therefore shalt thou not exalt them. He that speaketh flattery to his friends, 
Even the eyes of his children shall fail. Okay, there is a counterpoint to that. that you can also find a verse in the book of Proverbs that kind of relates to the same thing here. Just talking about flattery, it's a statement that um, I've often thought about. Everybody in my family, then you bring it down personally, see, everybody in my family has eye problems to a certain degree. Me, the worst one. But I just wonder if my dad was a big flatterer, and to be honest with you, he really was. So, anyway, yeah, I guess it's just by chance. Go ahead, Brother David. Verse 6, he hath made me also a byword of the people, and aforetime I was as a tabret. Mine eye also is dim by reason of sorrow, and all my members are as a shadow. Upright men shall be astonished at this, and the innocent shall stir up himself against the hypocrite. The righteous also shall hold on his way, and he that hath clean hands shall be stronger and stronger. But as for you all, do ye return and come now? For I cannot find one wise man among you. My days are past. My purposes are broken off, even the thoughts of my heart. They have changed the night into day. The light is short because of darkness. If I wait, the grave is mine house. I have made my bed in the darkness. I have said to corruption, Thou art my father. To the worm, Thou art my mother and my sister. And where now is my hope? As for my hope, who shall see it? They shall go down to the bars of the pit when our rest together is in the dust. My goodness, what a de- depression. Depression. He has every right to be talking like this in the condition that he's in. See, he doesn't have the new covenant promises. That's why we're going there a little bit later and can get a little refresher course on some uh, some of them. If I stopped right here and asked you, will you please give me seven of the new covenant promises? Could you do it? Could you take 15 minutes and go through the the promises that you have under the new covenant? Or is all you could talk about is the law written in your heart? Why would anybody spend all of their time in a covenant that's passing away or has passed away when everything to deal with their life and the future is in the new covenant, why would anybody spend all of their time in something old? See, that's not my opinion. I'm telling you what the Word of God says. That's not Judeo-Christian. That's the Word of God. Job is in bad shape. He has nothing to hold on to. But through all this stuff, he's going to make a few comments. The Lord's going to, even in his strife and trouble and pain and suffering, there's going to be some flashes of illumination from the Spirit, and we'll see them as we go forward. Go ahead, Brother David, next chapter. Yes. Chapter 18, verse 1. Then answered Bildad the Shuhite and said, How long will it be ere ye make an end of words? Mark, and afterwards we will speak. 
Okay, that word Mark, he's telling them, how long, you know, you're going to keep on, just shut up. That's what Mr. Bildad the Brutal's telling Job. He said, how long are you going to run your mouth, Job? Because their premise is he's got hidden sin, and they're right, see, but in the wrong, but not the correct right, <laughs> see. But he's telling Job, just shut your mouth. That's basically what he said in verse 2. Go ahead, brother, verse 3. Wherefore are we counted as beasts and reputed vile in your sight? He teareth himself in his anger. Shall the earth forsaken for thee? Uh, shall the earth be forsaken for thee? Right. And shall the rock be removed out of his place? Yea, the light of the wicked shall be put out, and the spark of his fire shall not shine. Okay, starting here in verse 5 at this paragraph, Mark. Watch this personification of wickedness. That's, what, that's what's going, coming forth here. He's personifying wickedness like it's a one individual. See, there is a place in the New Testament that does exactly the same thing. I wonder where, if you know where it's at. I may go to it in just a few minutes just to bring it to your attention. But watch everything that he talks about here. Well, it's all true, all true. But he's, personif he's putting a personification on wickedness like it's an individual. Go ahead, brother. Verse 5. Yea, the light of the wicked shall be put out, and the sparks of his fire shall not shine. The light shall be dark in his tabernacle, and his candle shall be put out with him. The steps of his strength shall be straightened, and his own counsel shall cast him down. For he is cast into a net by his own feet, and he walketh upon a snare. The gin shall take him by the heel, and the robber shall prevail against him. The snare is laid for him in the ground, and a trap for him in the way. Terror shall, take, shall make him afraid on every side, and shall drive him to his feet. His strength shall be hunger-bitten, and destruction shall be ready at his side. It shall devour the strength of his skin. Even the firstborn of death shall devour his strength. His confidence shall be rooted out of his tabernacle, and it shall bring him to the king of terrors. It shall dwell in his tabernacle, because it is none of his. Brimstone shall be scattered upon his habitation. His roots shall be dried up beneath. And above shall his branch be cut off. His rem remembrance shall perish from the earth, and he shall have no name in the street. He shall be driven from the light into darkness and chased out of the world. He shall neither have son nor nephew among his people, nor any remaining in his dwelling. They that come after him shall be astonished at his day, as they that went before were affrightened. Surely such are the dwellings of the wicked, and this is the place of him that knoweth not God. And this is the place of him that knoweth not God. Doesn't sound too good for an atheist, does it? Hmm. Not at no. all. Not at all. Not at all. 
If you knew the word of God, you would have recognized some of the things that he said. You would find some of the things he said in Isaiah chapter 14. See? If you knew the if you knew the book, you would have recognized some of the things popping up, some of the phrases that were said you can also find in Isaiah chapter 14. Also in some of the other places in Isaiah when making reference to Edom. But he personified it, like I said, and brought it down as into one person. But Bildad's, Bildad's thesis here is the same as Eliphaz and Zohar. All right? The wicked don't prosper. That's what they're saying. You're wicked. You're, go, you're, you're, you're through. And as a general rule, like I told you before, that's the way it was in the Old Covenant, as a general rule. These guys aren't lying. They just don't have the full revelation. And in the New Testament, like I've told you before and like I said last program, can you, you mean trying to tell me that the wicked don't prosper? Well, the, uh, the main thesis of most of uh, the folks out there in quote-unquote Corinthian identity, the wicked are the only ones prospering. What's the problem here? Well, the problem's just like it usually is. They don't know the Word of God. Next chapter, brother. Okay. 19.1 Then Job answered and said, How long will ye vex my soul and break me in pieces with words? These ten times have ye reproached me. Ye are not ashamed that ye make yourselves strange to me. And be it indeed that I have erred, Mine error remaineth with myself. If indeed ye will magnify yourselves against me and plead against me my reproach, know now that God hath overthrown me and hath compassed me with his net. Behold, I cry out of wrong, but I am not heard. I cry aloud, but there is no judgment. He hath fenced up my way that I cannot pass, and he hath set darkness in my paths. He has stripped me of my glory and taken the crown from my head. He hath destroyed me on every side, and I am gone, and mine hope hath he removed like a tree. He's blaming everything on God, which ultimately... See, he said he put a, that God's put a hedge about him to keep in the evil. You see, God had a hedge around him all the time. He had to lift the hedge and allowed Satan to have his way with Job. Satan's the one doing all this stuff to Job. But the Lord's allowing it, see, through his permissive will. Continue on, brother. Verse 11. He hath also kindled his wrath against me, and he counteth me unto him as one of his enemies. His troops come together and raise up their way against me, and encamp round about my tabernacle. Okay, there's an insight into the spiritual realm right there. His armies. What armies? See? What armies? Said that, oh, he's, Job was just using words. No, later on you find out that they're not just words, see? In the book of Kings you find out about these armies that's just out of our sight. When Elijah 
asked the Lord to open the eyes of the servant so he could see these armies, see? Well, Job knew about this stuff. That's the reason he said what he said here. He thinks that it's the Lord doing all the damage to him. He doesn't understand this whole scenario is about two two other individuals, not just him. It's not about him. It's about the adversary and the father. Not some Edomite like some fools out there try to tell you. Okay. Uh, I'm not even going to go. I'm not going to waste my breath on that. Continue on, brother. He hath put my brethren far from me, and mine acquaintance are very, verily estranged from me. My kinsfolk have failed, and my familiar friends have forgotten me. They that dwell in mine house and my maids count me for a stranger. I am an alien in their sight. I called my servant, and he gave me no answer. I entreated him with my mouth. My breath is strange to my wife, though I entreat for the children's sake of mine own body. Well, if, I were, if I was in Job's stead, I wouldn't care if that woman cared what my breath smelled like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with, a woman, with an enemy like her, who needs another enemy? Go ahead, brother. Yea, young children despised me. I arose, and they spake against me. All mine inward friends abhorred me, and they whom I loved are turned against me. My bone cleaveth to my skin and my flesh, and I am escaped with the skin of my teeth. Yeah, have you ever wondered where that phrase comes from? That here, it shouldn't surprise you. It comes from the Word of God. The skin of your teeth comes from the book of Job. Continue, brother. Verse 21. Have pity upon me. Have pity upon me, O ye my friends. For the hand of God hath touched me. Why do you persecute me as God and are not satisfied with my flesh? See there? He's, he's, it's God's fault. God's doing this to me, guys. God's doing this to me. Why don't y'all help me out? Job's justifying himself, folks, is what he's been doing the whole time. And every time somebody comes toward him, he's running his mouth trying to come back against him. Okay? This should be a lesson like I was talking about before, me and David was talking about before the program started. There's no, listen, if you're right, you don't need to try to justify yourself. Number one, your enemies is not going to believe you no matter what you say. And your friends don't need you to justify yourself. They're your friends, see? I'll say it again. No matter what you say, you're not going to convince your enemies. They're not going to believe you anyway. And your friends, they don't need to hear you because they're your friends to start. They're your friends anyway, if they're really your friends, see? So Job just blabbering off, trying to take, trying to stand up for himself when he really had no need to. Let that be a lesson in your life, especially you people that live on the internet all the time, on Facebook and stuff like that, and get in those silly arguments. Hey, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Learn a little lesson out of the oldest book in the world, okay? Continue on, Brother David. 
Brother David? Hello? I got booted off. Oh, really? <laughs> Man. Uh, yeah, I'm back. I don't oh. know what happened. I got booted off there. No, that's, that's okay, brother. Go ahead. You can pick up right where you left off. Yeah, verse 23. Oh, that my words were now written. Oh, that they were printed in a book. Guess what? Prayer answered. They were, Job. He's made this request earlier in one of the other chapters. Oh, that they were penned in a book. Now he's saying printed in a book. They were. They were, Job. It's that important. What takes place here is that important. You've heard me say in times past about the law of first mention in the Word of God, how important it is. Well, what do you think about the law of a first book? Don't you think that'd kind of be important too? Yes. Ah, yes. See what I mean? Jelly bean. Those little subtle things that sometimes we don't think about. Continue, Brother David. That they were graven with an iron pen and led in the rock forever. Oh, my goodness. Yes, yes, yes. Continue on. Now, here, here starting in verse 25. Job's going to get a little illumination from the Spirit of God. Because all he's been talking about is, I'm going to the grave, the Lord's put me. There ain't nothing, you know, there ain't nothing worth living for. I'm going to be like the dirt. When a man, man's going to die, and where is he, you know? All that doctrine about soul sleep, all that junk that you have these people out here come up with that they get out of the book of Job in the first chapters. Yeah, that's where they get it from. And here Job gets a little enlightenment from the Spirit of God. Watch what he says. One of the, someone, Fantastic, fantastic verses. Go ahead, brother. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh... Shall I see God? Wow. Wow. Fantastic. I know that my Redeemer liveth. You remember in the earlier chapters when old Job was, if he only had a daysman, you know, or if he had somebody that would put a hand on his shoulder and a hand on God. So all these emanations of the kinsman Redeemer in the very first book. In the oldest book, the emanations are here, see? And with hindsight, you see them through the Spirit of God shows you this stuff. Job had no clue. Job had no clue that we know of. All right? In his flesh shall he see God. Oh, he'll see the Lord Jesus Christ, the essence of God manifest in the flesh. But still, what a great statement. In the very, he said, I'm going to the grave and the Lord's going to re reinstitute everything. Though the worms eat my flesh, though in my body, he's going to see God. Kind of a general resurrection type thing that Job has going here, see? He doesn't know the promises and the revelations of the New Testament. Of the new in the new covenant, he has not the, the mysteries revealed to the apostle Paul. He don't know those. 
Neither did half the writers in the New Testament know them. We'll get into that in a little bit. It's interesting, though, that he said, for I know that my Redeemer liveth. That's correct. He knew he'd be purchased back, but he never mentions it anywhere. He just says it this one time here. Yeah, that's right. But remember earlier he's talking about having a daysman to speak for him. See, it's all He wished he had one. Right, he wished he had one. Well, the Lord's (laughs) going to send one. (laughs) Yes, amen. 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 Verse 26, brother. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another through my reins, though my reins be consumed within me. But ye should say, Why persecute we him, seeing the root of the matter is found in me? Be ye afraid of the sword, for wrath bringeth the punishment of the sword, that ye may know where is a judgment. A judgment. Yep. He's got he's got the, he's got his mind about a, a general judgment and a general resurrection. Which some people still believe that's all there is. <laughs> he's got an idea about that. Next chapter, brother. Okay. Job 20, verse 1. Then answered Zophar the Namathite and said, Therefore do my thoughts cause me to answer, and for this I make haste. I have heard the check of my reproach, and the spirit of my understanding causeth me to answer. Knowest thou not this of old, since man was placed upon the earth, that the triumphing of the wicked is short, and the joy of the hypocrite, but for a moment. Though his excellency mount up to the heavens, and his head reach unto the clouds, yet he shall perish for ever like his own dung. They which have seen him shall say, Where is he? He shall fly away as a dream, and shall not be found, yea, he shall be chased away as a vision of the night. See, all this is true, folks. This is true. It's just not It's not the, the truth that needs to be brought up here. These guys, what you're getting here is just a wealth of information. You've got one guy that the hand of God is all, you know, you've got Job who just has everything dumped on him. Then you've got three guys, and what winds up happening is everybody, including Job, is just spewing out truth from every, spewing out knowledge from every direction. Truth, truth, but not for the present distress. It's like they're they're all trying to show off their knowledge to somebody. I guess they're trying to impress one another. They're not helping Job, and Job's not helping his own cause. And we're going to find out about that shortly. Go ahead, brother. The eye also which saw him shall see him no more, neither shall his place any more behold him. His children shall seek to please the poor, and his hands shall restore their goods. His bones are full of the sin of his youth, which shall lie down with him in the dust. Though wickedness be sweet in his mouth, 
though he hide it under his tongue, though he spare it and forsake it not, but keep it still within his mouth. Yes, did, did, did you did you know that that did you know folks know that the Bible says that there is pleasure in sin? Did you know that? Not just by what's said here, did you know it's the New Testament? Talking about talking about in the book of Hebrews, talking about enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season. Well, of course, there's pleasure in sin. Whoever said there wasn't? That's a fact. But it's only for a season. Only for a season, and so many people choose that season. Over the long period of time, it's just it's, it's regrettable, but it's a fact. The pleasures of sin for a season, over the eternity of a blissful pleasure that we have no clue how wonderful it's going to be, or could be for those that choose the other. Continue on, brother David. Yet his meat in his bowels is turned. It is the gall of asps within him. He hath swallowed down riches, and he shall vomit them up again. God shall cast them out of his belly. He shall suck the poison of asps. The viper's tongue shall slay him. He shall not see the rivers, the floods, the brooks of honey and butter. That which he labored for shall be restored and shall not swallow it da- and not swallow it down according to his substance shall the restitution be, and he shall not rejoice therein, because he hath oppressed and hath forsaken the poor, because he hath violently taken away an house which he builded not. See what see Zohar is. Is with he's left-handing Job. See, he's throwing out all this. This is what happens to the wicked, and this is the reason it happens to him. And he's indirectly slamming poor old Job with every bit of this. He didn't take care of the wicked. He didn't do. That's what he's saying. Continue, brother. Verse twenty. Surely he shall not feel quietness in his belly. He shall not save of that which he desired. There shall none of his meat be left. Therefore shall no man look for his goods. In the fullness of his sufficiency he shall be in straits. Every hand of the wicked shall come upon him. When he is about to fill his belly, God shall cast the fury of his wrath upon him and shall rain it upon him while he is eating. He shall flee from the iron weapon and the bow of steel shall strike him through. A bow of steel... Back during Abraham's day. Wow. Iron during Abraham's day. Hmm. Wow. Do you catch that stuff? The oldest book in the world. Do you catch that stuff? Iron. Iron bow. Bow. Wow. Go ahead, brother. Verse 25. It is drawn and cometh out of the body. Yea, the glittering sword cometh out of his gall. Terrors are upon him. All darkness shall be hid in his secret place. A fire not blown shall consume him. It shall go ill with him that is left 
in his tabernacle. The heaven shall reveal his iniquity, and the earth shall rise up against him. The increase of his house shall depart, and his goods shall flow away in the day of his wrath. This is the portion of the wicked man from God, and the heritage appointed unto him by God. Another, another bad, bad stuff to the wicked are the man that turns away from God. And I tell you what, folks, when you think about the severity of this stuff, I say, like I said, I keep ad nauseum talking about this is the oldest thing. This is coming from stuff during Abraham's days. And they've got this much truth about them. Wow, with the revelation of our Lord and Savior in the Gospels and the New Testament writers, add that onto this, pretty bad time coming for some folks. Next chapter, brother. Verse, uh, chapter 21, verse 1. But Job answered and said, Hear diligently my speech, and let this be your consolations. Suffer me that I may speak, and after that I have spoken mock on. As for me, is my complaint to man? And if it were so, why should not my spirit be troubled? Mark me, and be astonished, and lay your hand upon your mouth. Even when I remember I am afraid, and Trembling taketh hold on my flesh. Wherefore do the wicked live, become old, yea, are mighty in power. Ah, yeah, Job, see, Job's giving the other side of the coin that the others refuse to give. They're just, they're just centralized on, well, the wicked's going to get it, though the wicked's going to get it, so you must be wicked. You must be wicked, Job. Well, Job's kind of turning the table on him here and bringing up another side, but Job ought to just keep his mouth shut. Go ahead, brother. Verse 8. Their seed is established in their sight with them, their offspring before their eyes. Their houses are safe from fear. Neither is the rod of God upon them. Their bull gendereth and faileth not. Their cow calfeth and casteth not her calf. They send forth their little ones like a flock, and their children dance. They take the timbrel and harp and rejoice at the sound of the organ. They spend their days in wealth and in a moment go down to the grave. Therefore they say unto God, Depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of thy ways. What is the Almighty that we should serve him? And what profit should we have if we pray unto him? Oh Lord, my goodness, just think about the people that claim... The word Christ. And do exactly what Job is associating with the wicked. I want you to stop and think about what I just said. And what Job just said. Read verse 13 through 15 again, brother. Okay. They spend their days in wealth and in a moment go down to the grave. Therefore they say unto God, Depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of thy ways. See, that's not, you don't have to say that with your lips, folks. You say that with your actions. 
You say that with a dusty book on the nightstand. They don't want, they, see it said, with their, they're, they're saying, we don't want the knowledge of thy ways. You say that louder with your actions than you do with your lips. See? Too much time for God. I got no time for God. I got too much other stuff to do. Got to make a living. Got a family to take care of. The ball game's on this weekend. You want me just to keep on and on and on? See, doesn't that just tear at that worldliness that's still within some of us? Doesn't that just make... Where does he come up with this stuff? What are we supposed to do? Aren't we supposed to have some pleasure? Think about it. Remember what the Lord said in the book of Luke about that cross? Remember what he said about the family? Remember? Remember me ranting about it the other night? Ah, uh, yes. Ah, uh, yes. Where the treasure is, there will the heart be also. You can bet your bottom dollar. Continue, brother. Verse 15. What is the Almighty? that we should serve him. And what profit should we have if we pray unto him? Lo, their good is not in their hand. The counsel of the wicked is far from me. How oft is the candle of the wicked put out? And how oft cometh their destruction upon them? God distributed the sorrows in his anger. They are as stubble before the wind and as a chaff that the storm carrieth away. God layeth up his iniquity for his children. He rewardeth him, and he shall know it. Whoa, he layeth up his iniquity for his children? Hmm. He rewardeth him. Hmm. Verse 20, brother. His eyes shall see his destruction, and he shall drink of the wrath of the Almighty. For what pleasure hath he in his house after him, when the number of his months is cut off in the midst? Shall any teach God knowledge? Seeing he judges those that are high, one dieth in his full strength, being wholly at ease and quiet. His breasts are full of milk, and his bones are moistened with marrow. And another dieth in the bitterness of his soul, and he never eateth with pleasure. They shall lie down alike in the dust, and the worm shall cover them. Ah, two different, that's both sides of the aisle, see. Job's trying to cover both sides of the aisle. What he says is true. Like Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, how dieth the wise man? Same as the fool. More to it, see. 
more to this thing than meets the eye. Bildad Zohar and Eliphaz, more to this thing, Job. 27, brother. Behold, I know your thoughts and the devices which ye wrongfully imagine against me. For ye say, where is the house of the prince? And where are the dwelling places of the wicked? Have ye not asked them that go by the way? And do ye not know their tokens? That the wicked is reserved to the day of destruction. They shall be brought forth to the day of wrath. Who shall declare his way to his face? And who shall repay him what he hath done? Yet shall he be brought to the grave and shall remain in the tomb. The clods of the valley shall be sweet unto him, and every man shall draw after him, as they are innumerable before him. How then comfort ye me in vain, seeing in your answers there remaineth falsehood. Now he accusing them of lying. And they're not lying, they're just um, telling a half-truth. Next chapter, brother. Okay. 22, verse 1. Then Eliphaz the Temanite answered and said, Can a man be profitable unto God, as he that is wise may be profitable unto himself? Is it any pleasure to the Almighty that thou art righteous? Or is it gain to him that thou makest thy ways perfect? Absolutely not. It, it doesn't, it doesn't it's, to put it irreverently but reverently, whatever you do is no sweat off the Father. You, no matter how holy you think you are, or holy you might be, or how wicked you might be, it don't affect, hey, it's no sweat off the Father. Not really. Pragmatically, it is not. Verse 4, brother. Will he reprove thee for fear of thee? Will he enter with thee into judgment? Is not the wickedness great? Is not thy wickedness great and thine iniquities infinite? For thou hast taken a pledge from thy brother for naught and stripped the naked of their clothing. Thou hast not given water to the weary to drink, and thou hast withholden bread from the hungry. But as for the mighty man, he that he had the earth, and the honorable man dwelt in it. Okay, he has just accused Job of those things right above here in 5, 6, and 7. That's another left-handed slam. All right? They're making all these accusations. Man, they're digging deep to try to get at Job's uh, sin, his so-called hidden sin. Go ahead, brother. Thou hast sent widows away empty, and the arms of the fatherless have been broken. Therefore snares are round about thee, and sudden fear troubleth thee, or darkness that thou canst not see, and abundance of waters cover thee. Is not God in the height of heaven? And behold, the height of the stars, how high they are. And thou sayest, how doth God know? Can he judge through the dark cloud? 
See there, doesn't that, come on, think, bring this thing home. How does God really see when I do so and so, see? The natural man, well, that, that, well, what foolishness about this God? How could he see 7 billion people? How could he even see 5 million? How could he even see 34? See, you see how insane this would be to somebody that did not, have the Spirit of God in them. That's why Paul says the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. It's foolishness unto him. See, when the so-called educated man and the so-called scholar that's had these years to sit around his Coke machine and come up with these weird ideas and they keep putting back, putting the Lord this further, just ditching him back here, keep on pushing him further back, Keep looking at him through the filter and the eyes of man. In other words, it's the creation looking at the creator through his own filter in his own mind and thinking that he can figure out God, the one that spoke everything into existence. See that puffed-up pride? See how it gets when you're not relying on him for every breath you take, when you really are, when you're not relying on Him for your next meal, when you're not relying on Him to heal the sickness that your kids got, when you're trusting the other robe, the, uh, the white robe of the doctor, instead of the beautiful, glorious robe of righteousness of the Father, the real physician. I mean, you want me to break this on down? Have you, do you have enough spiritual understanding to figure out this simple thing that's laid out before us like Brother David prayed originally in the beginning and was the reason I told you how true it was? Our people cannot handle prosperity. Never have. Never will, not till you get a new body and the and a complete mind of Christ. Never will. Nobody's getting any better, folks. You're getting worse. Things don't just keep on going up; they come down. And ever since creation's fall, that's what's happened. You when you start out perfect. You don't all of a sudden get more perfecter. With, that's wrong English, but I'm using it anyway. Perfecter. You get worse and worse and worse, and that's what's been happening since Mama and Daddy screwed up. And unless you base your theology around that and employ the caveat of the Spirit of God after the resurrection of Christ, you don't have no theology. I don't care how much Greek and Hebrew you know. You don't have no theology unless you incorporate that into your theology. It don't hold water. It's all like sinking sand. And you know what the strangest thing about it is? It don't take no genius to figure that out. Continue on, Brother David. Verse 14. Thick clouds are a covering to him. 
that he seeth not, and he walketh in the circuit of heaven. Hast thou marked the old way which wicked men have trodden, which were cut down out of time, whose foundation was overthrown with a flood? There's some reference back to before Noah. Go ahead, brother. <clears throat> which said unto God, Depart from us. And what can the Almighty do for them? As it was in the days of Noah. What can the Almighty do? I'm, I'm not going to spend... Go ahead, brother. Verse 18. Yet he filled their houses with good things. But the counsel of the wicked is far from me. The righteous see it and are glad. And the innocent laugh them to scorn. Whereas our substance is not cut down, but the remnant of them the fire consumeth. Acquaint now thyself with him, and be at peace. Thereby good shall come unto thee. Receive, I pray thee, the law from his mouth, and lay up his words in thine heart. If thou return to the Almighty, thou shalt be built up. Thou shalt put away iniquity far from thy tabernacles. Job, get right, and God will take care of you. Get right, Job. Get rid of that sin, and the Lord will pull you out of this ash heap. Go ahead, brother. Then shalt thou lay up gold as dust, and the gold of Orphur as the stones of the brooks. Yea, the Almighty shall be thy defense, and thou shalt have plenty of silver. For then shalt thou have the delight in the Almighty, and shalt lift up thy face unto God. Thou shalt make thy, way, thy prayer unto him, and he shall hear thee, and thou shalt pay thy vows. Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. When men are cast down, when thou shalt say, There is lifting up, and he shall save the humble person. He shall deliver the island of the innocent, and it is delivered by the pureness of thine hands. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. The righteous going to get rewarded, he says. You just do good, and God will give you all this silver. Just do right. Get right, Job. Everything's going to be wonderful. And, folks, you would not believe how many people still believe the very that very same thing to this day, especially now. Turn to 2 Corinthians while I'm talking, brother. Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Okay. While I'm talking. Mm-hmm. That's what you've seen so far. That that That's what you, you've seen... Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And all these guys are coming with their opinions with not a complete revelation. And a lot of those out there amongst us today would have you believe that we're in the same position as these guys here because they talk just like Job's friends. No revelation, no spiritual understanding. Got their doctrine wrong. Forget about the promises of the new covenant. 
All they want to talk about is Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Leviticus. And over and over and over, you're admonished to remember the promises that are under the new covenant. And like I said earlier, if I ask you to start naming them, could you? Could you? Could you name? Could you name them? Some of the promises, some of you guys even have problems even believe is true. <laughs> because you bought into a bunch of hot air and undivided truth which puts you in a world of hurt when things go bad in life where if you understood the promises even though the heavens fall you would still be able to have a spiritual smile on your face because of the rock-solid promises under the new covenant. God cannot lie. And He will not lie. He's immutable. You just got to put the correct doctrine in the correct place to the correct one it's talking about. That's your admonitions. See? You say, all these promises, what you talking about promises? Read Second Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, Brother David. Okay. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Promises. So, bro, I wonder, well, Brother Paul, what is he talking about? He, he's talking to the Corinthian church, the most carnal church that's written about, okay? All, they're bra some of them's bragging, some of them's rich, some of them's poor. They're from all different culture regions, okay? They love to brag. They love to, they, give, they got their cliques. Some will sit over here and do this, and others over here. The whole church is a, is, a, is a wash. And Paul spends more of his time dealing with these folks and, and having to try to get them straightened out than anybody else. He has more rebuke for this church than anybody else because of their behavior. You got a guy going to bed with his own mama. They won't support the Apostle Paul in this, in this poor saints. He has to reprimand them about that. They're immoral. They're, they're just all screwed up. But you know what? Even in their screwed up mess, <laughs> they got more sense than a lot of these quote-unquote knowledgeable Christians do today. How do you know that? Because Paul admits that some of them do, that they do. That's why you might ought to spend a little time reading about it. Don't take my word for nothing. I might be making all this stuff up just to sound good. I might try, be trying to deceive you. So what are these promises? 
that Job didn't have. What some of them, because we'll just deal with a few here. He's going to reiterate these promises that he's just told the Corinthians. Having these promises, we should be able to do this. You should be able to walk forward. He's going to cover those promises from chapter 1 forward. Starting in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, brother. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Okay. And re and um let's see. Second Corinthians chapter one, read verses two and three, brother. Now look, I wouldn't have to stop just a second, brother. Let me let me preface this before we go through this, because we're gonna go through quite a bit of scripture, folks. This is important that you get this stuff, okay? That you spend time in this stuff right here that we're talking about right now. Because if you get this stuff, you get the new covenant promises down. Then you can you could you have you have armament, you have a way to fight and push off all this false BS out there that comes your way from every side. And of our persuasion, believe me, there's a bunch of it. Bunch of novices. All right, brother, go ahead and read it. Verse two and verse two. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father. And from the Lord Jesus Christ, blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforted us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. See there, Job didn't have no knowledge of that whatsoever. Did it sound like it to you guys when we've been going through all the way up to chapter 22? Of course not. Well, do you folks, have you you, um, memorized the verse? Do you know where it's at in your Bible? To when you wind up up against a telephone pole? Would you think about it, that all the pain and suffering you went through, it's not necessarily for your sake all in uh, all together, but it's for you to turn around and take the trials and troubles you go through and be able to comfort those that are in the light, trouble and tribulation around you. Remember the royal, you want to talk about law, I'll give you some law. It's called the royal law. There's not but two of them. There are only two condensed in the new covenant and every one of these promises will help you take care of the royal law. Loving the Lord Jesus Christ and treating your brother as you as well as you treat yourself. See? Oh, yeah. And drop down, Brother, brother David, and also read verse 20 through 22 in chapter 1. Okay. Verse 20. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. Now, he which establishes us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God. There you go. Those promises are in you are yea and amen. In other words, they're immutable. God, don't lie. Go ahead, brother. Who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Sealed us. Did you know you're sealed? I don't want... Please, I don't want to hear, well, I'm, I'm messed up and I, I lost my salvation. 
Is that right? If you, you elect of God, you'd part of Paul just say, he said you're sealed. In the book of Ephesians, he, he said, whereby the Holy Spirit which sealed us to the day of redemption. Do you realize that? Do you know that? Do you believe God? Then don't let the adversary, especially the ones that are in human form, mess you up. These promises are supposed to allow you to serve God. Not to sit back and act wicked as hell and live like you want to. These promises are to encourage you to live right, to do right, to put away childish mess, put away a filthy mouth, put away unrighteousness out of your life. That's why all the admonitions in the New Testament are about that. To whom much is given, much is required. That's why they want to talk about Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy all the time. Because all that's outward, see? And we'll get to that in a second. Chapter 2, chapter two brother. Chapter 2? Okay. Yep, start reading in verse 14 through 17. Okay. Now, thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet Savior of Christ, in them that are saved and in them that perish. Okay, I want you to stop right there. You see, remember what Brother David read first, chapter 7, verse 1. Talking about these promises. The reason I went ahead to chapter 7 is because Paul covers the promises from chapter 1 on, see. So you just wouldn't listen to me when I told you this was a promises, but you'd listen to God the Holy Spirit tell you that that was what was coming before, dealing with the promises, see. And this is just a few of them, folks. Read that again, brother. Okay. Verse 14. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Always causes us to triumph. Didn't say sometime. See, he's talking to the elect of God, folks. God don't make bad choices. Because he's seen everything from beginning to end. See, he don't make bad choices. And he chose you before the foundation of the world. How these people, you know, I wonder sometimes. The father must have had, must have dementia or something, you know, according to some of these quote-unquote teachers that will have you believe that your righteousness has something to do with your eternity as far as your salvation is concerned, which it has nothing to do with it whatsoever. Chapter 3, brother. Okay. Read verse 3 through 16. Watch it close. Watch it close what Paul says here, folks. Get this. If you don't get nothing else, please get this. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. For as much as ye are manifestly 
declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. Okay, stop right there. Not in tables of stone. Do you folks know what was written in tables of stone? Do I have to tell you? See, now Paul's hitting on the written in her heart, New Covenant, Hebrews 8. See, he's hitting on it. But let's see what else goes along with it, see? You don't hit, you don't saw two of them. Continue on, Brother David, verse 4. Verse 4. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Not in nothing you do, not in nothing I do, but it's all of God. Every bit of it is of the Father. For you elect of God, for you chosen of God. Get it, get it, get it. You should revel in it and raise your hand, holy hands to God and praise His holy name. Do you ever do that? Oh, I do it in my mind. I didn't say do it in your mind. The book says, raising holy hands to God. Amen, Brother David? Yes, sir, it does. That's a commandment, folks. Do you do it? Well, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't. See, you see what I mean? <laughs> Continue on, brother. Verse 6. Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. Oh, really? The, the new, made us able ministers of the New Testament. How much plainer can you get? Continue, brother. Underline new. That's right. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Do you know, folks, to understand how to take a sentence and take the subjects and verbs? Do you understand how to do that? Huh? I'm sure you do. I know you guys graduated my school, okay? You do know what he's talking about. You do know the context and subject matter he's talking about, okay? The letter is the law on stone. The spirit is in your heart. There's one spiritual and there's one physical. You got it? This, 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 that's not isogesis, folks. I'm not reading nothing in. That's what the Scripture is spitting out. Continue, brother. Verse 7. But if the ministration of death, written and engraven in stone, Stop right was there. glorious. The death. Death was written in stone. See? It was in stone. You know what was written in stone? You know what Moses broke and had to get it done again? He's even going to bring it up in just a few seconds. There's a reason it was transferred from stone to your heart, folks. You've got to get that. I'm not bad-mouthing the law. I'm bad-mouthing the way it's treated out there among our people. They try to associate the laws... I said laws. That's right. That's exactly right. With today, it's in your heart. The part that's supposed to be there, God put it there. Continue, brother. But if the ministration of death, 
written and engraven in stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away? How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. Okay, one was glorious, but it was unto death. The law was given for a schoolmaster, folks. The letter killeth. It condemns you. Every aspect of it. Not just the ten, the whole thing. It killeth. The Spirit maketh alive. Continue, brother. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away was stop, glorious... Stop, stop, Done away! Hebrews is a whole chapter on it. More than one chapter. I don't care how you try to handle the Word of God deceitfully. See, you go cutting it up one place, God's got it covered in another place. And believe me, they try. You can't get away from it. I don't care how much you've heard. I don't care how much they try to keep you somewhere else and keep you out of the epistles with no knowledge of them and couldn't teach them with a teaching machine. Continue, brother. Or if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. What was done away? What was written in stone? Now, if you can't follow subject that far and context that far, you need to go back to school. See, if you're honest with yourself, you cannot deny it. Like I said, you don't, you don't want to believe this? Go believe Hebrews. It really gets down and dirty. Continue, brother. We all need a little remedial work now and then. So, you know, it's <laughs> not... It shouldn't be strange thing that we think that it's unusual that, hey, That's we have right. to go back and check something again. Absolutely. I think we all do that, don't we? Of course, brother. That's why we're doing this tonight. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. Okay, now I want to just show you all a trick that they use. I'm going to show you a trick. It's back up in verse 11. See, this is what they'll tell you. See, they'll disregard the subject of the Spirit and the letter, the Spirit of the letter, the stone done away with. They'll disregard that. And when they get down here to verse 11, they'll say, For if that which was done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. See, they'll tell, this is what they'll stop. See, this part of the law is not done away with. That's what they'll tell you. See, they'll say, oh, the, he was just talking about the, for salvation. Is that right? Folks, don't make me teach the whole New Testament again tonight. 
I'm just showing you. They just read that into that right there. That ain't got nothing to do with the subject matter that's came down through here. Not a solitary thing. That's one of the tricks they use. The same way they do in First in First Timothy chapter four. But I'm not going there. Continue reading, brother. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I I, that abolished. That's right. I don't, I don't know how you get high. Um, anyway, go ahead, brother. We've we got a lot to go. Go ahead. And what did Moses have in his arms when he had the veil? You got it. On his face. You got it. Abolished. Write that down, A-B-O-L-I-S-H-E-D. Amen. Amen. But their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. How much plainer can you get, folks? How much plainer can you get? Verse 15, brother. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face beholding, as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Next chapter, chapter 4, starting verse 3. Okay. Verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest, the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. See, that's the kicker. Remember what old Job's problem was? Remember, we hadn't got to it completely. He's going to admit it himself in the next couple of chapters. He's going to say these things right here. I'm going to keep my integrity. I know I'm right. I'll, I'll stand. He's, he's going to just come out and say that he's right before God. That's what he's going to say. And the New Testament ain't got nothing to do with us being right before God. It's got to do with the one in you being right before God. And the one in you is Jesus Christ. Else if he's not in you, you're none of his. That's not my words. That's the word of God. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Who's it written to? Israelites. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5. 
Know ye not? Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobate. Not my words, the word of God. Continue, brother. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. See, it's it's Jesus Christ in you that lives. You're dead. How many times have we went through it? You're dead, and your life is hid with Christ. That's what baptism is a figure of. Is the old man dying, being put to put to bed in the grave, and the new man coming up out of the water is a picture of Jesus Christ rising from the dead, buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life, in newness of life, in newness of life, not the old life. Continue, brother. For we which live are always always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then, death worketh in us, but life in you. We have in the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. See there? Even everything about it is about Jesus Christ. Everything. Your righteousness is Jesus Christ. Your life you live is Jesus Christ. He's supposed to live it himself because he's righteous, not you. Not you. Folks, I said it the other night. I'm going to say it again, and I'll say it till I'm till you get sick of hearing it. I'm sure you probably already are, but you better get it. If you could do anything to get yourself into glory, if you could do anything to redeem yourself from your sin, past, present, and future, if you could have done anything, then pray tell why did the glorious Son of God have to die. The answer is, you couldn't, I couldn't, nobody could. Therefore, there had to be a perfect, sinless sacrifice, and it had to be Him. And you try to snatch any righteousness away from Him, you in a world of hurt. As Paul says in one place in Galatians, You're going about to establish your righteousness. You've fallen from grace. Folks, that's the only place that verse occurs. And it's got to do with you going about to establish your righteousness. In other words, going about to say, well, I made it through. Well, I did this. That made me good. Better be careful. I'm warning you. Go ahead, brother. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. 
for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and external weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Another promise. Better write it down. Learn it. Memorize it. Next chapter, brother. Okay. Start at verse 1. This is a wonderful one here. Second Corinthians 5, verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house of this tab- tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. See how wonderful that is? Job didn't have a clue about none of this. This is new covenant. This ain't no laying in the grave till a final judgment. Paul says to be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. He went so far as to say, even now ye that are in Christ are seated with him in heavenly places. How is that possible? Because he's in you and you're in him. That's why. Can you understand it? Of course you can't. Because you have a finite mind. But you've got it written down so you're supposed to believe it. What do you think faith's all about anyway, folks? The subject of things hoped for. The evidence of things N-O-T-S-E-E-N. Not seen. Continue, brother. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so, be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that. We would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now, he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. That's the down payment of the Holy Spirit of God, which would get the full payment at the resurrection or at his second coming. Whether death, some of us will be alive, don't know who it's going to be. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. That's when you're going to get the full payment. That's when you're going to get the full rush. You just have a little earnest down payment now, see. That's what the earnest, that's what earnest money is, see. It's a little small down payment on the full amount. That's what you got now. That's that spirit of God that dwelleth in you now. That's Jesus Christ in you now. That's the anointing of God now, see. That, like Paul said, if the spirit of God don't dwell in you, you're none of his. Romans chapter 8. Verse 6 through 10. Continue, brother. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. 
We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. You got that. Didn't I just get through quoting that just a few seconds ago? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. No soul sleep crap. Continue, brother. Wherefore, we labor that, whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Okay, I'm not going to just spin off and give you a lesson on the judgment seat of Christ. I've done that so many times in the past. Go check it out. All right. If you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, there's another rendition of it there. And he tells you there that the ones that does the bad stuff, the bad stuff is burned up, but he himself is saved Yet so as by fire. Nobody lost there. These are saved folks. We, we, we. Can't you see it coming down through there? Us. We, we, we. Nobody's lost at this judgment. This is a different judgment than the one you see in the book of Revelation. Because there's lost people there that go into the lake of fire. For eternity. I didn't write it. Continue, brother. Verse 12. For we commend not ourselves again unto God, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them, which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. <clears throat> cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and there's, rose again. There's your answer to everything I said a while ago, folks. Now, how many lives unto him and not unto their self? That's why I spew the things that I spew. Henceforth, you should live no more unto yourselves, but unto him that died for you, to whom much is given, much is required. You want to be my disciple? Take up your cross. Deny yourself. And follow him. I didn't say that. God manifest in the flesh said that. I didn't rest the scriptures to my own destruction. I told you what God manifest in the flesh said to his disciples and the ones that were listening to him. And Paul tells you to present your body a living sacrifice. At your reasonable service. I could just go on and on and on. With all these promises, see, you're sealed to the day of redemption. They weren't in the old. 
They go to you go directly to be with the Lord when you die. They didn't in the old. They went to Abraham's bosom. We'll cover that Sunday night. Everything that happens to a Christian, to the elect of God, is for good, no matter what it is. It wasn't that way in the old covenant. The Spirit comes in you and seals you to the day of redemption. The Spirit in the old covenant came on them and left them, just like it did Saul, Balaam, I'm going to go on. Come on, David, and stayed. Never left him. Didn't do that for old Saul. Spirit left him, never came back. He died a demon-possessed suicide. Check it out. Don't you believe a word I'm saying? Continue, brother. Verse 16, Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The reason they become new is what I've just, I've been, we've been reading and I've been spitting and spewing. Continue, brother. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. No, you missed a word, brother. Go back and read that well, again. For he hath made him to be sin for us. You see, somebody no had to pay. Somebody had to pay for the sin, folks. Somebody had to pay for all Noah's sin. Somebody had to pay for all Adam's sin. Somebody had to pay for David's sin. Somebody had to pay for all the sin. Past, present, and future. Made his son to be sin for us. Who knew no sin? Had to be perfect. Why did he do that? That we might be made the righteousness of God. Where? In him. In Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, the body of Christ. Are you starting to understand why these little words are so important? Next chapter, brother. Okay. Start at verse 11, read through verse 18. 
Second Corinthians 6, verse 11. O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged. Ye are not straightened in us, but ye are straightened in your own bowels. Now, for recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children, be ye also enlarged. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Yes, yeah. continue. No, continue on, okay. brother. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Okay, and he started off reading to you guys the very next chapter and the very first verse. Read that chapter 7, verse 1, one more time. Okay. This is what we've just come through, folks. From chapter Having, 1, what? Okay, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Amen. All those promises jam-packed in there, and that's just a few of them. And I can just hear somebody, oh, that old Paul, oh, that's that old wicked Paul. Turn to Second Peter chapter 1 while I'm talking, brother. <clears throat> okay. Man, that's, that old, that's just that old Pauline teaching. Is that right, huh? <laughs> Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Second Peter chapter 1, start reading verse 1 through verse 13. Watch Brother Peter, and then we'll see where Brother Peter got his information at. And even Brother Peter didn't get it all at the present time. But we'll, we'll, we'll see what he had to say. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us, through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. You know what? What did he just tell you? What He told you what the righteousness of God was, folks. It's Jesus Christ. And anybody that's familiar with the book of Isaiah, and from about Isaiah 28 to about Isaiah 53, all you see, it talks about the righteousness of God, God's righteousness, His righteousness, God's righteousness. He's telling you over and over and over again, it's going to take God's righteousness to redeem Israel. It's going to take His righteousness. And it did. And it was Jesus Christ. Continue, brother. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertaineth unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped 
the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to your virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make ye, you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You got that, folks. You got that. Do you understand that? Do you understand that simple English? Those great, these, all these promises. And you want to run around and live for yourself? When you got all the the unction from on high in you for the balance to turn toward the eternal things instead of the temporal things, and you trying to tell me that you're hearing this out there amongst some of those folk, give me a break. But see, the ones that are still got a, a big attachment and latched on to the old ship of the world left to still taste a little bit of its wine and cheese. I understand I used to be there myself. Oh, yes. Yes. I understand. Trust me, you're the, if you're the elect, after the rod of God gets through with you, you won't care how that wine and cheese tastes anymore. I assure you. I I promise you. Continue, brother. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. See, there's one of them verses that they used to try to tell you, oh, well, yeah, I just heard, like I told you, I, I go back and listen and shake my head. Yeah, that's the only sins you were used to sins you committed before. Is That's the sin, only sins that were taken care of by the blood of Christ. I want you folks, I'm not talking to a bunch of dummies. I know you've got spiritual sense, or you wouldn't be putting up with my loud mouth, number one. I know it. Think about that foolish, stupid statement. How insane that is. See, Paul said the same thing. He quoted in the same manner. But it ain't got nothing to do with the blood not taking care of all sin, because over and over again it said it, the, the book says it did. It's got to do with being thankful for being for being saved from 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 the past. It's, it's got to do with being saved from hell, from being saved from the the penalty of the sin prior, saved from death. That's the reason they said it the way they did it. That should make be glorious and happy and give you extra unction to do for the future, just like all the precious promises. Okay? Continue, brother. Verse 10. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. <laughs> for if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. 
For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them and be established in the present truth. Present truth. Present truth. Paul says exactly the same thing, but in different words in Philippians chapter 2. The present truth telling you that there was more truth to be revealed later. There was no canon complete, folks, when they wrote this. Jude hadn't written. James hadn't written. The book of Revelation wasn't written. First, second, third John wasn't written. You want me to keep on going? How could they have said it was all the complete truth? That's the Spirit of God that wrote that down there, not Peter. You've got to keep that stuff in mind when studying the Scriptures, folks. Now, I want to deal with this, and then we're going to close for tonight. I want to deal with this one thing, finally and forever, about this righteousness business, okay? One time. I want, you, I, want you to, I want you to get it if you never get it again. I want, I'm, the righteousness that you have is not your righteousness at all. Not for past sins, not for present sins, not for future sins. You've got to get this if you don't get nothing else, folks, or these people will hound you to death. The righteousness of the saints is a different garment than the righteousness of salvation. The righteousness of the saints that it talks about in Revelation is for reward to deal with garments and having to be naked or clothed. That Didn't you remember seeing the word naked? See, see how important words are? Remember what the Lord said in Revelation 3? I mean, um, Revelation chapter 3 about that your nakedness come not forth, that you, you, you purge yourself. All that nakedness stuff that keeps coming up like Paul talked about. That's the righteousness of the saints. That's your good deeds that make it through the judgment seat of Christ. See, and if all of it is bad, it's burnt up and you're naked as a jaybird. That's why the Lord said that your nakedness be not revealed, that nobody see your nakedness. That's why he tells you to do good things in Revelation chapter 3. Scripture with Scripture, folks. Context with context. We're talking about a judgment. Not for salvation. Got nothing to do with salvation. Nothing at all to do with salvation. Turn to Philippians chapter 1, brother. Okay. And read verse 6 through 9. Let's check out this righteousness. Let's see, the most righteous Pharisee was Apostle Paul. Let's see what he says about his personal right. He even tells you, hey, I'm talking, I was blameless when it comes to the law. What law? All the law. Every bit of it, feast days, food laws, you name it, he did it. He was blameless. That's what was written in stone. The whole thing. Not just what you want to talk about. 
the righteousness that was in the law. He was blameless. Go ahead and read it, brother. Philippians 1, verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's Philippians chapter 1. I may have got a wrong reference. Let me see. Must be chapter 2, brother. Okay. Verse 3? Yeah. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. No, that's but not it knows. either. It, verse What's six, the keyword? Um, keyword? Righteousness, brother, would be the keyword. Okay. Oh, shoot. I can't believe it. I done lost this one. I'll have it in a minute. Okay, let's see. Chapter 3, verse 6. I guarantee that's probably going to be it. Chapter 3, it has got to be there. Yeah, it's Paul talking about himself. Yeah, that's it, that's it, that's it. Chapter 3, brother, verse 6 through 9. Oh, yeah, there it is. 3, verse 6, yep. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ? Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Okay, you see that, which is of God, the righteousness which is of God by faith, by faith. By your faith, you say, not in a pig's eye. Turn to Galatians 2. It ain't got nothing to do with you. See, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Even that's given unto you. Where does it come from? Galatians chapter 2. You have to watch the words, folks. Galatians 2.20, brother. I think it's 2.20. Okay, Okay, second last verse. Chapter nineteen, ver- chapter chapter two, Galatians chapter two, verses nineteen yes. through twenty-one, brother. Okay. For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Okay. In the stop. Life stop. Of- oh, got to slow down. Got to under. Watch these words, folks. Watch these words. Start it again, brother. Verse twenty. Okay, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Okay, Paul's dead. Paul is dead, but yet he lives. But it's not him living, see? Watch the words, folks. Go ahead, brother. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Okay, you remember the verse I quoted a while ago about 1 Corinthians 13, 5? Whether Christ, if Jesus Christ is not in you, see? 
It's Jesus Christ doing the living. Watch it close. Go ahead. But Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. By Paul's faith? Did he live by Paul's faith, or did he live by Jesus Christ's faith? Jesus Christ's faith. Bingo. See, why, why could you, you see, folks, listen, listen, you're not, Paul said he counted everything but dumb. How could you possibly lift up any pride in your eyes against the Lord Jesus Christ? How could you possibly puff up your chest in any way? See, do you know what dung is? Do I have to put it in the the modern vernacular? Paul counted all things but dung. Same thing he told you to do. The same thing under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. That's the reason he begged you, beseeched you by the mercies of God, your body a living sacrifice, living according to the way you live? No, but according to Christ living in you, the hope of glory. Continue on, brother. By the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me, I do not frustrate the grace of God for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Bingo. Bingo. Now let's go to Romans chapter 10. Folks, Romans chapter 10 is written to Israelites. <laughs> you got that? Now you can't argue out. There's not nobody that could argue out of this. I don't care if it's Judah Israel or Israel Israel. It's Israelites. Now watch what Paul says. Start at verse 1 and read through verse 3, brother. Okay. Watch it close, folks. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Okay. Now, now is there any question who he's writing to now? Okay. Now you're going to find that this is what the problem is with these dingbats out here trying to teach this, this personal righteousness dealing with salvation. Poking out their chest. And some of them may not even say it with their words, but they act like it. You can tell it by their actions. Their actions speak louder than their words, folks. And this is what is going on. Paul's going to describe it. It's been a problem with Israel all along, and it still is to this very day. The old nuts don't fall far from the roots of the tree, folks. Start again, brother, and read through verse 3. For I, oh, start again. Yes. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God but not according to knowledge. And there's a lot of people out there that spend hours and hours and hours and sweat and labor. They have a zeal for God. Yes, they have a zeal. And they'll spew history, and they'll spew Greek, and they'll spew Hebrew, but they don't do it according to knowledge. Spiritual knowledge, not worldly knowledge. Watch it as he comes down through here. Go ahead, brother. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness 
and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Got that. Now, I've done done shown you over and over again what the righteousness of God is and who it is. And I've had some of them sit within three foot of where I'm at now and make fun of Jesus Christ. Oh, yes, folks. I could... There's some things I just don't tell. But I'll say that and leave it where it's at. I've heard them make fun of the name Jesus Christ. That's where all the righteousness is. That's where it's uh, that's who it's all about. It's the glorification of God's Son that this present time is all about. All that other stuff, that's for another time, folks. That's coming later. That's coming. That's coming way later. That's in the millennial kingdom. All that other stuff, that's where it goes. You got all those folks in Ezekiel 40 through 48 that went about to establish their own righteousness and never submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. They missed out on the grace. Oh, that grace, folks. Oh, that grace. You better get it. You better get it. If you don't get nothing else, you better get it. Don't wind up. With that bunch. Folks, these last 2,000 years hadn't been for nothing. You think the Holy Spirit went on vacation till the 1920s? Do you think that God quit working in His chosen? Until you think He just quit working until the 1920s or 30s when some of our persuasion happened to pop up? Do you really think that? Are you that big of an idiot? God forbid that you should be. And if you have went that direction, you need to repent and go back and think the thing over again. Not because I say to, but because we're fixing to read what God says. Not what Brother Don says, but what God says. Drop down to verse 8. Brother, and let's see what Paul told, talked, about these Israelites that were going about to establish their own righteousness and his prayer was that Israel might be saved and let's just see how he deals with that starting in verse 8 but what saith it the word is nigh thee even in thy mouth and in thy heart that is the word of faith which we preach that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. You see, you say, well, what if those people, they believe, they, they, they must believe in Christ or they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. See what I'm saying, folks? It's got to do with the heart. And by the heart, Paul just told you, it's got to do on the inside, not on the outside. 
not with the forever history lessons and Greek and Hebrew lessons. It's got to do with the heart. How do you know that? Christ said, by their fruits you shall know them. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Go look them up. I'm not going to sit here and do it all. Go look up the fruits of the Spirit. Not everybody's running. See, they try, they, try, they try to tell you everybody's running around with the Spirit. No, they're not. They're all lie to you. They'll lie to you. Turn to Second Thessalonians and we'll end with this tonight. Okay. I'll tell you, show you the difference between the truth, about the truth, how important these words are. That you get it. How, how, how just you? I mean, just little simple things. If the tug of the spirit of God is in your heart, you better obey. You don't know how blessed you are to have the tug of that spirit in you. Because if there is no tug, there'd be a problem, as the old black cotton picker used to say. But there'll be a bad problem. Some of you folks don't know the difference between conviction and feeling bad. I'm not necessarily talking to the ones I'm talking to. I'm talking to the everybody that listens to this program. You better think about that stuff. Like you hear me say all the time, eternity is a very, very long time. Second Thessalonians chapter two. I drop down to where Paul where Paul starts talking about uh, that old man of that old that wicked shall be revealed. Brother David? Okay. I think it's around verse six, okay. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, verse eight. Verse 8, then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness, and then that perish. Why do they, they? Why do these people perish, folks? Let watch why they perish. Because watch they why they received, perish. Go ahead, brother. Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Now they had to receive that love of the truth. Where does love take place, folks? The head or the heart. What did Paul say about the heart in Romans 10? What did Brother Don just tell you about the difference between the outward and the inward? Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. No, they spent too much time making fun of a bunch of Jew-loving Judeo-Christians. Therefore, they missed the boat because of a half-truth. Of course the Judeo-Christians are wrong. Of course they are not Israelites over there. Of course we know that. You see what I'm talking about? 
new folks that come in and jump on that bandwagon and don't receive the love of the truth, but they get half truth. Half truth is just as good as no truth at all, folks. You better be careful. Continue, brother. Um. What's wrong? I forgot where I was. They received uh, not the love of the church that they might be saved. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then shall the... Uh, and with all... Very, verse 11, brother. Verse coming. 11. Verse 11, brother. Okay. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Okay. They didn't believe the truth, so God's going to send a strong delusion if they believe a lie. Huh. Go ahead. That they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. That's enough. I don't. You can just you can just say the truth so much. What is truth? Pilate asked the Lord. What is truth? Thy word is truth. Don't believe it at your own peril. Cut it up at your own peril. Mess around with those infidels at your own peril. He who laughs first, laughs last, by the way. There is no excuse. Brother David, if you would, dismiss us in a word of prayer, brother. Okay. Father, in Jesus' name, we give you thanks for this evening. We thank you for all these mighty promises, for all these, this mighty truth, that we live by the faith of Christ, that we're saved by the faith of Christ, that it's no longer we who should be living, focusing upon what our thoughts and desires and lusts and future should be, but that we should live for Christ and what He wants, when He wants it, how He wants it, that we should be concentrating in prayer upon these things. And we thank you and ask you that this would become a reality in our life. Yes, Father. Not just momentarily for a day or for an hour, but that we'd be constantly reminded by your Spirit of these things until we are able to take hold by the faith of Christ to these promises. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, so be it. Amen. Amen. And contact well, contact information is telephone number 334-397-2333. The email for Pastor Don is joydon1953 at yahoo.com. That's joydon1953 at yahoo.com. And the mailing address is 3155 Louisville Street, 
apartment D1, that's D as in Don, 1, Clio, Alabama, 36017, 36017. Thanks for listening, everyone. Okay, folks. That'll be all for tonight, and Brother Kevin, if there's no questions in the chat room? No. Okay. Well, Lord willing, folks, we'll meet back this coming Sunday night, and we'll be in Luke chapter 16, and we'll be dealing with the, the um, Abraham's bosom, talking about some of the stuff I talked about tonight, but in a little bit deeper way when we get into... Um, the Lord talking about Abraham's bosom. Appreciate all you folks being there tonight. Lord willing and health being okay, we will see you guys this coming Sunday night. God bless. Good night, Pastor Don. Good night, Good night all. night, brother.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.